Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness to pray and to rest before he began his public ministry. This year during Lent, join Pastor Hook to pray and rest as we learn about our calling to be a life-changing connection to Christ in our world. We are in episode four of our Life-Changing Connection study. And this is a study to look at um, different topics in Scripture in anticipation of our congregation launching in November. And what I'm praying happens during this study is that we learn some truths from God's Word but that we also pray for God's wisdom and we pray for our gui- for guidance and that we also pray that God uh, blesses the work that we do. If you'll remember, Jesus went out into the wilderness for 40 days prior to starting his public ministry. Or you could say maybe that was part of his public ministry. We have a tendency in our world to work, 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 and then we rest. But Jesus turned that around. He went into the wilderness for 40 days to spend time with God, to ask for his guidance and wisdom and direction and then he launched into his public he filled himself up with god so that he could launch into the public ministry that he had the three years that he had ahead of him and we certainly have a daunting task in front of us and so my prayer is that we spend some time in the presence of god asking him to fill us through his holy word through his holy scripture through teachings through each other And then we begin the hard work of planning for how we're going to launch in November. So that's kind of my desire on this. And so we spent some time yesterday looking at um, the mission and the vision of Christ Lutheran Vale Church. And I just want to briefly share that again. The mission of Christ Lutheran Vale Church is to make loving disciples. And that is really based upon the Great Commission which comes out of Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where Jesus said to his disciples, he came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So we as a church, our mission, our the number one thing that we're all about is to make loving disciples. And it comes from this section of scripture, making disciples. That is the most important part of this is of what Christ has called us to do. And we tie into that because we want to follow the words of Jesus. We want to be a part of his commission, which is to make disciples. That is all about what we're about is making disciples. It's not about necessarily the programs that we have. It's not necessarily the tactics that we have. Those are just means to get to the end, which is to make a disciple. And what is a disciple of Jesus? And we have an example. We have many examples of what a disciple of Jesus is. As we look in God's Mostly in the Gospels, in the Gospels, we see the story of Jesus, how he called disciples. He called Peter and Andrew who were out fishing, and then he called James and John who were out fishing. He called the tax collector. He called all these different people. He called them and said, follow me. And then they gave up what they were doing, and they left everything, and they followed Jesus. Now, that model doesn't work today. Because people have jobs, they've got family, they've got connections. The idea that you would 
kind of give up your whole entire life for a period of time and follow somebody to learn about Jesus. It just doesn't work in today's society. It would have worked in Jesus' time because that actually was very prevalent um, from the time of Aristotle and even before. There were people that would basically seek out these rabbis and they would leave everything and they would follow these rabbis. And so it was not out of the norm for them to to kind of start following a rabbi. So when Jesus said, follow me, at least they'd heard of that before. If we were to go, if I were to go out into our neighborhood and say, hey, follow me for the next eh, three years, they'd probably look at me like I'm crazy. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be a great way to do it, but it wouldn't be kind of compatible with how our world is today. We have a different world. But Jesus' method actually was highly effective. How did Jesus make disciples? Well, he said, follow me. He called them. And then as a group, they moved around and lived together for three years. They sometimes went to some of the disciples' homes. We know they went to Peter's home, right? Because Peter was one of the disciples, and and, uh, so they went there. They probably went to some of the other disciples' homes. They might have just spent time out in the wilderness they, whatever it is, they basically lived together for three years and they learned the teachings that Jesus wanted to teach. Sometimes he would, he would teach like he did on the Sermon on the Mount. He would find a place and he would begin to teach and the crowds would come and they would listen to Jesus' words and they would hear the words of Jesus and they would learn it. He would tell parables. He would tell stories. He would, he would look at the world around him. He would take images from the world around him and he bring those in and teach you know life lessons those teachable moments from those sometimes he would pull the disciples together in a group of 12 of them and he would teach them sometimes he would probably go to each of the disciples individually and talk to them and say okay what is it i want to teach you today and he would teach them one-on-one so what is the right way to teach the bible does not say actually Jesus says, go make disciples, but he doesn't say how to teach. He says, baptize and teach, but he doesn't say, he doesn't specify exactly how to teach. And I believe there's a reason why he doesn't do that. And the reason is, is that it's contextual because the way that Jesus taught was different than the way that, for example, Peter taught or that John would have taught. And it was certainly different from the way that Paul taught. And it's different from the way that we learn today. And so it has to be contextualized. Would Jesus like the internet today? And would he use the internet to teach? And of course he would. Because the internet is an incredibly powerful way to get teaching out. But I don't think Jesus would leave it just with the internet. Because it's not just about the teaching. But it's about incorporating that into your life It's about the one-on-one relationship to understand what are some things that you need to work on in your own personal life and then to help work on those things. It's, It's all of those as a combination. Jesus would use all of them. Would he use the internet? Absolutely. Would he sit in an auditorium today and teach? Absolutely. Would he take somebody out to lunch or take somebody out to dinner and just have a conversation about somebody's life and teach in those ways absolutely would you have a group of 12 people and walk into the wilderness and look at a tree or a butterfly or a bunny or a deer and have some sort of life lesson out of that absolutely 
Jesus would have used every means available to teach to make disciples. That's the whole thing. It says, go make disciples by baptizing and teaching. And Jesus would have done that. That's how Jesus did it. Now, I mentioned Paul, but Paul did it a a bit differently. When Jesus came to Paul and his road to Damascus uh, to experience, uh, he taught Paul everything he wanted to teach him. But then Paul was a different kind of teacher. Paul took the teachings of Jesus, but he decided to organize it differently. Paul went out into different communities. He went on these missionary journeys and he taught in the towns that he went into. He taught, he took people with him, he taught, and then he set up congregations. And he might stay there for a week or a month or three months or six months. And he brought people in and he taught them the, the basics of the faith from what he had learned from Jesus, from the other disciples. And then he set up a community and he said, okay, now I want you to take this message into the whole entire community. And that's how Paul did it. Was that an acceptable way to do it? Absolutely. Did it run into problems? Absolutely. We know because then Paul heard about issues that were going on in these communities and then he wrote letters to address those issues. And all of the letters that we have from Paul in the New Testament are basically our places where he'd planted a church and set up a congregation. He says, okay, I want you to teach these things. And then he left and then things fell apart and so then he would send these letters back to try to get them back on track. That's, that's how Paul did it. It's a different method of teaching than Jesus. Remember, Jesus, how he did, he called 12 guys around him, and then they lived together for three years. That's how Jesus taught. Is that an acceptable way to teach? Absolutely. No question about it. It's a very, very effective way. And these disciples of Jesus continued to teach the words and the teachings of Jesus for their whole entire life. So it's a very acceptable way to do it. But is the way that Paul did it okay? Absolutely. If you want to go in and create a congregation, create a church that's that's leveraging everybody's resources to get the message of Jesus and the discipleship of Jesus out, absolutely, that's an acceptable way too. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but today modern education is what we call the Prussian model which is, it comes out of Prussia, and it's basically a model that says, by the time you're this age, you should know these things, and then by the time you're this age, you should know these things, and you keep building upon that until you kind of reach an age of maturity, and you've learned everything that the Russian model wants to teach you. The danger of that, well, there's a couple dangers of the Prussian model. First of all, it It is the teacher that directs the education to the student. So it says, these are the things you should be learning when you're in first grade. These are the things you should be learning when you're, when you're nine years old, 10 years old. And if the student is either not interested in those things, or perhaps they are not, uh, at a, at a mental capacity yet where they can learn those things, they can fall behind. And so you have to play some catch up and teachers have to be very creative. They have, there has to be a lot of grace in that. Uh, But eventually you get to the end where hopefully they've learned everything they needed to learn. And then the other danger with the Prussian model is graduation. Because in the Prussian model, once you've learned everything we want to teach you, which today is, I guess you would say, through high school. Like once you reach the age of 18 and you're you're out of high school, like the, the school system has taught you everything you need to do, everything you need to learn to be a productive member of society here in the United States. 
And so we, we have this thing called graduation. And now you're an adult. Now you can go out and face the world. But the fact is, and this is a danger of the Prussian model, is it doesn't teach you everything you need to learn. I mean, it, there's so much to learn in life that it's a danger to think that simply because you've turned 18, you've learned everything that the, you know, the school system has said you need to learn that you're kind of ready. No, there are so much more to learn in life, even after graduation from high school. That, that's not even, that, that's just a drop in the bucket of the things that you're going to learn in life to get through life. You will continue to learn until the day you die. You will not stop learning. As a matter of fact, the, and, and one of the dangers of the Prussian model is that, that somehow we think that by the time you, know, you graduate from high school, you've learned everything, but you haven't. Jesus would have told his disciples, continue to learn, continue to let the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, live in your life, continue to reflect on the lessons that I have taught you and apply them every day to your life and learn more and more about God, learn more and more about yourself, continue to teach that. That is, that is how Jesus would have taught these things. He was very, very much, um, a, a way that that's that's how he how he taught and it was very very effective but it's not the only way there's the prussian model uh, i may have mentioned yesterday that we at our school have a model that is kind of a modified prussian model but it's very much uh, we play upon the interests of the child it's called rigor relevance and relationship and basically this model is where we might find out what a child is interested that day. And let's say they're out in the playground and, um, you know, they see out in the playground a bunny rabbit. Well, then, and they get interested in the bunny rabbit. So the whole day's lesson might be, you know, on the bunny rabbit. Or, or let's say it's, uh, they have building blocks out there and they're learning how to construct a tower or something like that. Well, the teacher then, you know, the relevance of what they're learning is they're very, very excited about it. And so they want to continue to learn more. So the teacher might bring in some facts about structures or, you know, some of the things that the building things that might come out of that. And that's a very effective model too. But all of these models are great models, but none of them are specified or scripted in scripture. Jesus didn't say how we're supposed to make disciples. He said, we're supposed to make disciples. And the job isn't necessarily, he didn't dictate exactly how to get there. He just said what the end is. And the end is to make a disciple. Now, it's worth reflecting a little bit on what that word disciple means. Like, what is a disciple of Jesus? Well, obviously, a disciple of Jesus is somebody who looks like Jesus. Somebody who's learned the teaching of Jesus and they apply those teachings to their life and they continue to grow in their faith about Jesus. That is definitely a disciple. But a disciple, if you think about a disciple at the time of Jesus, these were men who spent three years with Jesus. He learned, they learned all the teachings of Jesus. And then Jesus asked them to go out into the world and to teach these things, Jesus was still on the earth. He sent him out two by two in the 72, and he told him to go into communities to teach, to pray for people, to heal people, to do those things. They came back. They, they had this time with Jesus where they reflected upon what it was that they taught, and Jesus sent them out again. And so 
by the time Jesus left, they pretty much had a good idea of what Jesus wanted them to do. They were disciples. I think in our language of today, another good term for a disciple might be a leader. It's not just somebody who knows the teachings of Jesus. Those are important. But I think it has to be taken one step further. I think a disciple of Jesus is also one who's willing to take those teachings out into the world and teach them to other people. Like, I think that is kind of the next step. Remember, for three years, before they they were disciples of Jesus, but for three years, Jesus was teaching them, and they were learners. They were followers of Jesus. They were taking in all this information. But it wasn't until Jesus left that they became kind of fully-fledged disciples of Jesus. So there's a period of time where there's a where there's a teacher student relationship and then the student goes out and then the student becomes the teacher and creates other student teacher relationships and then they go out and create student teacher relationships and that's how the Christian faith propagated for the first part of the you know right after Jesus it wasn't Uh, I would say the vast majority of discipleship that happened was when the disciples went out and gathered people around them and taught. And then Paul, of course, took it way out and had a different system, which was creating churches and communities of believers where they learned discipleship and all that. But a disciple is more than just a student of Jesus. A disciple really learns and internalizes these things when they begin to teach other people, when they take leadership uh, in teaching other people. And so we as a community, Christ Lutheran Vale, it's not just about teaching everything, but it's also creating in our community leaders who are able to teach also, who are able to take the sayings of Jesus apply them to real-world situations, and then teach other people. I mentioned this yesterday, that one of the primary teachers in, pro- in uh, mainline Protestant churches is, is the parents. That w- because the vast majority of society was Christian, the, the great thing was that a parent could teach their children the, the basics of the faith, and that was where the, the vast majority of learning about Jesus happened. So if you grew up in a Christian home, your parents taught you about Jesus and you learned about it. You might have gone to school. A uh, hundred years ago, you've gone to school and the, and the school would reinforce those teachings of Jesus and it would have been all one nice package. But today, there's a disconnect because Christian parents are teaching one thing in their home And then these students are also going out into a school system that isn't designed to teach Christian things. They're forbidden, actually, to teach the teachings of Jesus and the sayings of Jesus. That's not allowed. And so these students, they go in, and there's somewhat of a disconnect between what they're learning at home from from their disciples of Jesus' parents to going out of the world. And there's that's absolutely void of any discussion about God or Jesus or faith or any of those things. And there's a disconnect. And I think one of the failures of the Christian church, probably over the last, oh, 40 years or 50 years, is the church has not recognized the significant 
uphill battle it is for parents to teach one thing at home and then to go into a school system that may not reinforce what it is that you're teaching at home. Now, I'm not saying anything bad necessarily about the public school system. I think we have a pretty decent school system. It's been around for a long time, and it teaches really, really good things. And particularly here in the Vail School District, we have a school system that teaches really, really good things. But they're forbidden. They cannot, for example, go out into the playground and see a butterfly come on a flower and then talk about the spiritual significance about what that means. They can talk about the, they can talk about the natural significance of that. That you know that uh, it's a butterfly. This is where they come from. They're cocoons and all that sort of thing. But they can't then take it, the one step further, which is teaching spiritual lessons from that. And so we, as a church, should have been over the last fifty to hundred years helping equip parents on how to deal with the fact that they're teaching one thing at home and they might be learning something that doesn't reinforce that in the world around them. Because the, 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 the school system in our culture just it doesn't allow it. And so that may be one of the reasons why Christianity has been in decline for such a long time in Western culture. A hundred years ago, in 1900, probably 95 out of 100 people would identify as Christian. The vast majority of them would have been in church on Sunday morning if they could. And the culture was definitely steeped in Christian values. If you remember, the United States was founded by people that came over from Europe and they, they came here for religious freedom. So they're they almost zealots with religious freedom and what it was that they wanted to teach. And so the early pioneers coming into the United States were people that were here because of their Christian faith and they wanted to be able to teach their Christian faith to their kids. Well, that was that was many, many years ago. And like I said, 100 years ago, 95 out of 100 people would, would have gone to church on a Sunday morning. Today, it's maybe about 30 out of 100 people that might have been to church on the previous morning. And the church itself has been losing ground over the last hundred years because I think we failed to recognize that the culture, right or wrong, just isn't there to help reinforce the values and the teachings of Jesus to help us make disciples. And therefore, the church, one of the things the church could do would be to help partner with parents or grandparents, or create systems by which some of these Christian values, Christian discipleship can be taught. But not only that, but engage the world around us and talk about those things and say, this is what the world is teaching, and this is what Scripture teaches, and here's how they're compatible, here's how there's not compatible compatibility between them, and really fight, not fight, but tackle, I guess, head on some of the teachings that, that come out of that. Um, and, and my prayer is, is that as we move forward making disciples in our own congregation and in the, in the community of Vail, that somehow we address that. Now, we do in some respects do that because vast majority of people that are associated with our church do have strong f homes where, where discipleship is taught, 
Uh, we don't necessarily provide a fantastic curriculum of things that probably should be taught in the home, and maybe we should provide that. Like by the time you're in high school, by the time you graduate from high school, there's that graduation again. Here's the corpus of things that you should learn. And then here's the other corpus of things that you should understand may not be compatible with what the world is teaching. And just lay all that information out so that the parents have that information because uh, we, we, don't, we have not done a very good job in that sort of thing. And I think that's something that we could as a church. And when I say church, I mean, it's not only our church, Christ in Vail, but it's the Christian church doing better job. I think, I think oftentimes we ignore it and think that it'll go away. Or maybe we just simply say, well, what we're teaching is better. And so believe what we're teaching and ignore everything else and, and assume that a student, because it's coming from the church, they're going to put you know more importance on that and say, okay, well, that's what my church is teaching or that my parents are teaching or whatever. And so I'm just going to believe it because the parents only get their students, only their children for a brief amount of time every day. And the vast majority of time, by the time they get into first grade, the vast majority of the teaching happens in outside of the home by people who are outside of the home and that can be a difficult that can be a difficult and challenging thing so i think i think that is one of the things that i would love to see happen in the church is to really do a better job equipping parents to teach the discipleship things of jesus um, one of the things that we do in our in our church, obviously, is we we have well, we obviously we have a, a Christian day school where we teach where we are teaching things that are compatible with teachings at home because because we do that. But also, we have our junior high program where we teach, and then we have our senior high program where we teach. And so, if if the students are availing themselves to those things, they are learning. Uh, the discipleship things that Jesus wants to teach. But if they're not availing themselves to that, if because we only have like one program for youth, you know, two programs a week max or whatever, not every youth can make it to either one of those programs. And so we have to really try to figure out a way to massively mass produce the teachings of Jesus so that, um, so that, no child or no student is left behind because of their own circumstances and that it reinforces the teaching of parents. And quite honestly, um, parents may not have really had a strong discipleship. Not every parent had strong discipleship in their families growing up. And so they, these parents also need some help in discipleship. And what a great way to disciple parents by giving them a curriculum and telling them these are the things you need to teach your children or it would be great to teach your children and then have those life lessons taught by the parents. And not only reinforces the parents teaching the children, but, but the parents learn it also because they're teaching. Because when you teach something, it really reinforces the lesson in your life. And I'm not necessarily even talking about Sunday school lessons, which is great, but I'm just talking about life lessons how to deal with the challenges that exist in our world around us. And um, that's, that's something I've just really spent a lot of time thinking about. Like, how can we, how can we make disciples? How can we, what can a church do to leverage the resources within our congregation to do a phenomenally great job of teaching the lessons of Jesus 
in a way that's compatible with the way that we teach in the world around us. We can't, it would be great if we had a, uh, a junior high, high school, sixth, seventh and eighth grade, where the kids actually came and lived on campus. And we had uh, men and women of God who are incredibly good teachers and they just lived together in a community and taught as Jesus did. That would be a phenomenal. And there have been some, some there actually have been some uh, boarding schools that are like that. Phenomenally good. It's a great way of doing it. Incredibly good, strong life lessons learned by that way. But, but compatible with our current education system? Probably not. We need to create something that's a little bit different, a little bit more robust. And let the, and let the teaching uh, happen in a method that works with our current society. So um, I think that's probably all I want to say on discipleship today. And uh, we'll leave uh, we'll leave the discussion for another day because uh, we will meet again on Saturday uh, and have one more lesson. So um, thank you for joining me. Let's uh, go ahead and close in prayer. Gracious God, give us the wisdom and the guidance and the understanding of the necessity of making disciples as you've called us to do, and give us um, your power and strength to do that. In Jesus' name, Amen.